Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. Today, I'm speaking with award-winning author and illustrator Mike Corrado, who recently released his debut young adult graphic novel, Flamer a coming-of-age story that confronts ideas of racism, homophobia, body image, and coming to terms with identity in every sense of the word. Corrado's young adult graphic novel follows 14-year-old Aiden Navarro, who navigates friendships, deals with bullies, and spends time with Elias, a boy he can't stop thinking about, as he finds himself on a path of self-discovery and acceptance. Unfolding over the course of the last week of Boy Scout camp in 1995, Aiden's story is heavily inspired by Mike's own experience as a Boy Scout and eventual Eagle Scout, and his coming out as a teenager. It's about how young men are indoctrinated into a culture of toxic masculinity, how faith and scouting intersect with queer identity, and how friendships can devolve into bullying. The book also contributes to a much-needed conversation about how we can better support LGBTQ youth. A recent survey released by The Trevor Project showed that 40% of LGBTQ youth have considered suicide in the past year, and that rises to more than half for transgender and non-binary youth. One of the most heartbreaking scenes in Flamer deals with suicide ideation as the main character considers taking his life. Mainstream media has praised Mike's new graphic novel, as The Hollywood Reporter called it, the kind of book that might change its readers' lives. Reviewing Flamer for NPR, Juanita Giles wrote, What Corrado gives Aiden is not a pithy storybook ending. There is no boyfriend waiting at the end of the rainbow, no magic way to deal with his parents or school, but there is endurance and hope. Aiden doesn't emerge from the flames unscathed, but he does emerge stronger and accepting of himself. And that's the kind of teenage boy I like. Join me as I chat with author and illustrator Mike Corrado. Hello, this is Mike. Hi, Mike. This is Randy Slavacek from The Randy Report Calling. Hey, Randy. How are you? Good. Congratulations on your new graphic novel. Thanks so much. I have to tell you, I've only read a few graphic novels, and I haven't seen so many themes so deftly handled in a graphic novel. And you're being so creative with how you address this issue of racism or this issue of body image or this issue of homophobia. It wasn't heavy-handed, but it made me feel clever because I went to myself, oh, I just see what he did. <laughs> and I think audiences love to feel smart, and you, you use a lot of very clever imagery, whether it's literal or visual, throughout like the idea that the name of this the scouting troop that your literary self is is called Flaming Arrows. Clever. <laughs> yes, the patrol name, yes. Yeah, the patrol name. <laughs> and the fact that early on, one of the tasks is splitting wood, and there's an axe that comes down and splits a log as we see Jacob, the scoutmaster, the patrolmaster, and just all of these kind of subconscious things that are so clever. What was the inspiration for writing the novel, and how did you get started? Did you have a goal in mind when you started? You know, the very general goal was just to be able to provide 
some representation for queer youth. They are currently underserved in in young adult literature. I'm just trying to do my part in in adding to that. And I hope that many more people will do so also. So that was really the general goal. And then, you know, though this is a work of fiction, it's very much based on my own experience. And I didn't feel like I saw myself in books when I was growing up or uh, in TV and film. And, you know, I'm hard pressed to try and think of multiracial chubby <laughs> gay kid and uh, represented in any mediums. So, you know, that was maybe a more specific goal was just to get someone like me out there because I know there are other people like me. It's always so exciting to me when I meet someone that I can actually see eye to eye with. Believe it or not, I'm reading through the novel and I was a comic book geek when I was growing up. I loved the X-Men. <laughs> yeah. I had a best friend. I still do. Same guy. Same best friend from high school who I realized later on I was attracted to but didn't know it. But I didn't know how to mm-hmm. relate to it. There's so many things like this that I think so many, especially gay men, but anyone who's LGBTQ will relate to in terms of being different. And even from the beginning, you talk about leaving middle school, you're about to go to high school, the, your character, I'm sorry, Aiden. Aiden, the lead character of the, of the novel, is based in part kind of autobiographical. You base some aspects of the character on yourself, correct? Sure, yeah. Inspired by. Inspired by. We'll go with that. I'll say. But I remember all of those feelings. And, you know, I remember I had a terrible time in middle school and then suddenly I got to high school and all the kids and the guys I'd been in school with my whole life, suddenly they were all older in high school and straight. And I was the gay one suddenly. And Mm. I I remember going, oh, well, where did that? Hey, I don't even know that yet. Yeah. (laughs) And there's there's an aspect of Aiden for that here is like he as he comes to terms with several aspects of himself, whether it's liking himself or coming to grips with with possibly being gay, I think there's so much of that that people are going to relate to with this and also liking the X-Men and Phoenix and (laughs) Cyclops. Yeah, I think, I, you know, to your point about X-Men, I think a lot of gay youth or, you know, adults, whoever, queer folks identify with the X-Men because of all the parallels of feeling like an outcast of feeling like you know you are special in a way but not necessarily in a way that you know people at large are okay with but you're still trying to be a good person uh in a world that wishes you weren't here i really related to that also it was a book where i could see you know a few asian characters so that was exciting to me yes absolutely and i love the artwork yeah you know it was you know, for for the 90s, is a pretty diverse cast. I mean, you know, you won't really see, like, big people represented, maybe. It was something. And also some of the artists working on those books were different backgrounds. And, you know, now as a grown-up, I learned how, you know, some people that wrote for different comics that I read were gay, and I just didn't know that. So that's cool. And then, yeah, you know, I, I feel like it's pretty typical, right, when you are becoming friends with another queer person. You know, you you share the coming out story at some point or one of your coming out stories, because obviously we have to come out all the time. I I do think there are some common experiences and 
So I, I just wanted to share some some memories, I guess, in a way, or things inspired by memories that, that I knew people would appreciate because it's my story, but it's many people's story. We, we've all been through these like really awkward, agonizing moments. And, you know, spoiler alert, there is suicide ideation in the book. Right. And I think that is very common. One thing that also resonated with me, I mean, I was turning pages and you would hit something and I, that was me. That was me. That was me. Aiden has this friend who's a girl who is like the only person he can talk to. And that's another thing that I think happens to so many gay men when we're young. We, we are attracted to maybe it's the energy that's, that's open to us, that we, we have these friends who are girls. And that becomes such an important part of Aiden's journey because he feels he needs that rock. And so I love that you, when you included that, that was yet one more thing for me to go, oh, that was me. Me too, me too. And I know that person. <laughs> also, there's, there's a part of that journey with Violet where his feelings get hurt. He knows that he's, he's a bit conflicted. And I think that happens. You were talking about the different things that happened to us when we were young. And that's one of those things too. I recently wrote about an openly gay country singer named Cameron Hawthorne. And he wrote this song about basically apologizing to a girl he dated when he was young, when he knew something was different, but he couldn't mm. articulate it, and they were kind of dating, but he felt bad later on, and he always wished he could make it. There, it, it reminded me of that kind of a moment with Violet. There's so many things here that just resonate. You do it very well. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the best writing advice I, I ever got was from my editor, Laura Godwin, and she was my editor for several other books for really little people, like picture books. And something that she told me when I was having trouble writing, writing stories, she, she pointed at my previous work and she said, you know, what makes these good is that, is that they're true, is that there's an element of truth uh, to the writing. And um, as long as you stick with that, it will, you know, resonate with people. And so that always stuck with me. Anything that I put in the book, whether it's fiction or not, comes from a really honest place, an honest experience. So I'm assuming that's, <laughs> that's why you are connecting with yeah. it, because I, I know that I've experienced it. I know that friends have experienced it. And so that's, that's why things went in the book. And there's nothing in my mind very sensational about it. It's just actually very normal growing pains for a queer teen that don't get talked about. That's why I think it's so so important. Again, just uh, not just the representation, but the normalization of these really intense feelings that aren't validated in in any way sometimes. Another part of that equation is even today, and I like the way that you address this in the book, is how bullying, which happens, and of course in a, a scouting kind of situation with young guys, this is something that's going to happen in the book, but the idea of bullying overlapping with friendship and how people can tease each other or it can become bullying, how people stand up to it, and even in the book, how Aiden deals with this kind of crush he has, and he doesn't even know it with Elias. Mm -hmm. um, that's such a great thing to be bringing up, because even for straight people to understand how 
they may think they're not bullying, but that's how it's felt by the queer person. It reminds me of how today people are learning to understand how they aren't racists, but they aren't really aware of how they are they aren't racist, how, how there's like some inherent racism to things that people don't know. And I'm not a racist. Well, I just said, or I was just meaning, or, oh, well, I didn't mean it that way, or I didn't, I didn't think about that. I think the same thing happens with queer people and bullying, hearing the word faggot. And for mm. straight teens, you know, the word faggot is a word they throw around. We, we hear that constantly these days. Well, it's just a word, but if, mm. you're, if you're the queer teen... It's more than just a word. And so it's funny how these layers of even people you think are friends, they can use a word or they can take a tone. It's something we have to process. Right. I'm not the first to say this, but there's intention and then there's impact. And so whether or not you intended to hurt somebody, the fact remains that you did. Right. So what are you going to do about it? What are you going to learn from that? So I, I really do hope that straight teens read this book too so that they can begin to understand what it's like for a queer teen to start learning some empathy just to address the um, intersectionality of friendship and bullying. I think the perfect example in the book would be um, the character Mark who thinks he's doing his buddy a solid by telling him to man up. Right. And to act a certain way. And he does he doesn't get it. And that's something that I still experience as a grown man. Mm-hmm. There's still, you know, people that will encounter me and they just don't understand why I guess I have to be a certain way when the answer is, well, that's just how I am. Not every single cis man needs to act the same way. So, you know, I think I think there can be a lot of harm done when maybe the intention is, oh, I'm trying to help you out by helping you assimilate. Right. When the truth is like, no, you're not helping. You're hurting a lot because that person is either incapable of assimilating or if they do, they're living a lie. And the amount of damage that that's doing to their own psyche is immense. The amount of damage it's doing to other people that they're lying to, you know, case in point, when you brought up, the the gay musician that wrote the song about the girl that he dated, even though he knew he wasn't into girls. Like think of all of the seemingly straight marriages that were just covers yes. and how much hurt and pain that causes right. both people in that relationship when it doesn't work out or it doesn't feel fulfilled. You know, what is the point of acting straight if no one's going to be happy from that? Right. It's such a powerful thing because you know we've gone we've come so far. I know your novel is set in 1995, but we every time we think we've come so far, we kind of refresh our minds on these topics and we go, "Oh, this is still around. This is still happening." Yeah. When I was first coming out and I first owned who I was, and you're still processing it for yourself as a young adult that yes, I'm gay and I'm good with this and I can own this. Part of what I know I had to come to deal with was that it? this isn't my fault and there's nothing wrong with me. And I understand how a lot of this is kind of like society's fault because they do this to us. Like society puts these, these images that we're supposed to live up to on us. If you're a guy, you have to marry a woman, you have to have kids, and this is the way you have to live your life. This is what's considered successful. And as especially the gay movement has come about from 
way earlier than Stonewall, but since Stonewall and then the 80s and the 90s to today, I still think that it, it's society, not us, obviously. We're not the ones, but slowly things keep happening because there's representation out there. Taking it back to the beginning of this conversation, representation matters because then we go, oh, oh, I see myself. Oh, I'm not the only one that does that. And these things, like your novel, Flamer, helps us to go, oh, I can't believe this. I thought this was me or I thought I was the only one that looked at something like that. And right. Can I just say also, by the way, I hope you feel good about it because (laughs) the Hollywood reporter said that this is the kind of book that might change its readers lives. How awesome is that? (laughs) I mean, that is, yeah, that would help me (laughs) sleep well at night. You know, it may be cliche to say it, but I don't care. Like if the book, saves one person then you know that was time well spent and how awesome someone got it <laughs> they got the yeah. hollywood report they got oh you got it that's the point yeah yeah <laughs> you must feel so the first thing when i read that uh, quote i just thought to myself wow mission accomplished because it will it will yeah. it will and people just need to know about the book and i have to say too i'm such a fan now because I've read a few graphic novels. It's so accessible uh, in terms of taking the information in, taking the visuals, the creativity, the storytelling. I have to go check out more graphic novels now (laughs) because I really enjoyed it. Well, it's a great time to start reading graphic novels. Um, I think they're having quite a renaissance in recent years. People are pushing boundaries, taking it to new levels and talking about different subject matter that hasn't been covered in the past. And I think that comics in general get a bad rep, right? It's not commonly held as literature, but it is. Even if it is about superheroes, those superheroes saved me as a reader when I was a teenager. I didn't quite make the transition from an illustrated text to just pure prose uh, very easily. And that really bridged the gap for me. And that's what I was excited to read as a teenager, which is why I chose to write and illustrate Flamer as a graphic novel, um, because, as you said, it's accessible. And, you know, it's just it's way less threatening than looking at, you know, it's 365 pages, right, or something like that. And suppose I handed you a 365 page oh, book. Oh, I don't have just time text. to do this. Oh, I can't do it yeah. at all. Oh, my God. You're completely right. I mean, I still read novels, sure, but... I think the medium itself is so unique and versatile. It's kind of like the cinema of books. Mm-hmm. Well, like it combines so it. many different. Yeah, it's the it's the sequential aspect of the medium that makes it so unique. And, and so you really can easily fall into a character's headspace. You can quickly associate yourself with with the character and you feel very much a part of their journey. Um, because I think it's the sequencing that makes it feel real as you're reading it. So just, you know, <laughs> just just my thoughts, my two cents. Well, congratulations again. I really did enjoy it, and I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Randy. Thanks again to Mike for having the time to chat. As you can tell, I really enjoyed Flamer. Mike tells a complicated and difficult story with compassion, humor, and love. If you haven't checked out graphic novels lately, this is the one. Flamer is available on Amazon, 
bookshot.org, and other major book venues. I'll have links in the show notes. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with your friends. I like to think of The Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. Just a few quick reminders. Please wear a face mask in public, wash your hands a lot, practice social distancing, and take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.